Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It is Friday, May 17th, and we're doing a little check-in on some companies that have gone public recently. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I've got Fool.com's Brian Faroldi with me on Skype. Brian, what's going on? Hey, Dylan, I know that you, as a big New England sports fan, were thrilled to wake up this morning and learn that the Boston Bruins are heading to the Stanley Cup Finals. Is that correct? You know what, Brian? Uh, while I do not like the Patriots, and while you love to rub the Patriots' success in my face, I do like some of the Boston sports teams, because I went to college in Boston. I have a soft spot for some of those teams. I'm a Red Sox fan. I'd say I'm a casual Celtics and Bruins fan. I like the old franchises. So, while you're trying to gloat right now, I'm not, let- not going to let you have it. I'm going to be the bigger man and be happy. That's wonderful. So glad that to know that you're a Bruins fan too. <laughs> it's something that we can share. Clearly, you were busy last night watching the game. I was, and it was a good night. <laughs> Not so good of a day for a stock that you own, Brian. We're going to be talking about a couple different companies today uh, that have gone public in the last year or so. And this is my my brief moment to rub something in your face. <laughs> uh, Pinterest, this is a stock that we just talked about maybe a month ago, um, had a pretty rough first earnings report. This is our first look at them as a publicly traded company. Market didn't love the results. Yeah, market was definitely not happy with uh, Pinterest's first uh, earnings report. And when a company is uh, releasing earnings for the first time, it is really their chance to set the tone with how they will act and operate as a public company. So, the expectations were very high for Pinterest going in, and they did not meet expectations across the board. So, that was a little disheartening to see. Yeah, and it was surprising in some ways, because I looked at a lot of the numbers here, and we saw just over 50% revenue growth that hit over $200 million in revenue, um, which slightly beat expectations. Uh, they showed some nice growth internationally. There was a lot of good signs there. Um, it seemed like, though, this stock has gone on quite a run, and the numbers weren't quite there to back it up. When when you go up over 30% after your IPO, uh, there's going to be a lot of expectations that you crush it in your first quarter, and we didn't quite get that. Yeah, completely. And as as you pointed out, for for listeners to know, this is a stock that went public at uh, about nineteen. Uh, it uh, it popped and it uh, reached a high of uh, thirty five um, a couple of uh, days ago. It was about thirty prior to this earnings report, and then when they reported numbers, it did decline uh, by uh, by double digits in early morning trading uh, today. But uh, context is everything, right? So this uh, even when it came public at nineteen, that was a higher uh, number than its initial range. So so the valuation that was assigned to this stock was very high. I mean, 21 times sales prior to the earnings report. So when you have that kind of valuation baked in, Wall Street wants a beat and raise, and they did not get it. Yeah, and the miss came on the bottom line. We saw net loss go uh, about 41 million, uh, which which missed Wall Street's estimates. I think on a per share basis, came in at 33 cents per share. Wall Street was expecting 11. So you see some uh, not so great headlines there. Losses being triple what people were expecting. Um, the reality though is gross margin expanded. Like I said, international is growing to be a larger portion of revenue, and that's where a lot of the user growth is coming from. So you're excited about that. I saw some pretty good signs here, especially with some of this stuff going on on the user side, Brian. Yeah, I, I completely agree. This was not a, a miss across the board. There, there was a lot of numbers in here that I think uh, do give bulls reasons to be uh, continue to be excited about this uh, company. So you mentioned uh, ARPU, which is average revenue per user. That number came in at seventy three cents for the quarter. That was up twenty six percent year over year, and that number is hugely driven by uh, sales in the U.S. The number in the U.S. for the average user is two dollars and twenty five cents. You compare that to international. 
eight cents. So this is very much a domestic uh, revenue story at this point. But as you pointed out, the user growth that we're seeing is almost all coming from international markets. We saw 6% user growth in the US to uh, 85 million monthly active users and 29% growth in international markets for 206 million international users. So the company still has a tremendous opportunity ahead to grow both domestically but especially internationally. Yeah, and I wouldn't be too discouraged with that eight cents per user internationally because, uh, as we're seeing in management's commentary, you know they are still in their very early innings when it comes to monetizing their international audience. Just now, after Q1 2019, they disclosed that they are, uh, I think, advertising in 13 countries abroad for their international advertising efforts, up from seven in Q4. So that really gives you a feel for how early on they are in this. I would expect over time that ARPU number from international to rise. It will always lag what goes on in North America uh, just because of the way the ad dynamics play out, but it'll start moving in the right direction. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. And to add some additional context about those numbers, again, 225 in the US, 8 cents internationally. Uh, Facebook is currently putting up $34 per user in the US and $7.37 worldwide. Now, that's not to say that Pinterest will ever be able to reach the, uh, the, the numbers that Facebook can put up, but you can see that in between those two, there's, there's likely to be a tremendous amount of room for Pinterest to continue expanding. Um, I think part of the reaction also had to do with the fact that you look out full year, we saw a big sticker number in that they'll be hitting over a billion dollars in revenue, but the full year guidance is going to be coming in a little bit lower than what Wall Street expected for the year. Yeah, so uh, Pinterest management team guided for about 1.07 billion in revenue for the year. That is slightly behind what Wall Street was expecting, and the number uh, uh, suggests uh, a revenue growth of about 42 percent. So that also might be a sticking point for uh, Wall Street right now, because again, the company just put up 54 percent revenue growth in the first quarter. So that is not only a disappointing number compared to what Wall Street was expecting, but it does suggest a deceleration revenue growth throughout the remainder of the year. So I do think that that is adding some additional pressure to the stock today. Yeah, and when you're not profitable yet and you're in growth mode, you got to maintain growth mode. That's what keeps investors happy uh, and that's probably part of the reason why we're seeing a little bit of a sell-off. I do think though, big picture, looking at this report, looking at this business, I think it's more a case where stock went on a big run after it went public and now we're seeing a little bit of a curbing of the enthusiasm. People are kind of coming yep. back down to earth a little bit, rather than these were terrible numbers and the market thinks that this stock should feel bad about them. Yeah, I completely agree. And on the call, they did also um, uh, mention some things that I think investors should be excited about. Uh, for, for one, they just rolled out a feature where a business can basically now upload their entire uh, product image catalog directly to Pinterest in one fell swoop and basically get all of their products uh, on Pinterest site uh, very easily. Uh, the company is also starting to make a push into video, uh, which we saw was a tremendous uh, has, video has been tremendously popular for both Google and fa- Facebook. Uh, and they saw very high growth rates there. Um, on the advertiser count, too, they also also said on the call that the growth rate of advertisers joining the platform accelerated in the first quarter. They wouldn't commit to an exact number. They don't release those numbers to investors. But just the fact that the number of advertisers that are going to their platform is accelerating, I think, is a is a very positive sign for this, this business. So when I think of the big takeaway from this report, I think that overall, the, the fundamentals underneath the business are looking great. This, to me, was just a pure uh, management, still has some work 
to do with managing Wall Street's expectations. One thing that I do want to mention about this report before we move on to our next stock is the results that we were looking at had shockingly low stock-based compensation for a company that just went public. Uh, I think it was about a million dollars or something like that. And that's because the results that we are looking at are from the quarter before Pinterest IPO'd. So just keep that in mind, listeners, as you're looking at the financials here. Um, the company will be recognizing a sizable chunk of stock-based compensation in the time to come. So just know that that hit is coming. Um, it didn't come this quarter. It will show itself in future financials. So Brian, you bought into this stock uh, shortly after the IPO. Not I don't think day of the IPO. As a as an investor, you're feeling like more wait and see and kind of adding the position over time if the results are there. Yes, uh, I, I, as listeners may have recalled, this Pinterest is one of my wife's favorite companies uh, on earth. She is a heavy user uh, of the site. I have personally purchased many items uh, directly off of uh, things that I found on Pinterest. So I th- still think that the platform has a tremendous amount of uh, long-term growth, and I bought it per- uh, just to, with the hopes of getting her excited a little bit about owning uh, a stock. Uh, she's not somebody that's interested in the stock market at all, so this was a hopeful, hopeful bridge there. Uh, but I. I, I did purchase shares uh, at current prices. I am down. That doesn't concern me at all. I am in this stock for the long term. And from what I saw in the early, early report, I still think that this is a stock that I do want to own for the very long term. But yes, the, out, of, out of the gate here, a little bit disappointed. Yeah, it, it sounds like you had that kind of first slug, almost what I would call a tracking position in the stock, where you have a little bit of money in there, you're kind of keeping an eye on it and keeping tabs on what the results are going to be. Uh, I just recently went from having that type of position to adding to uh, getting that second buy in a stock that I'm pretty excited about, who also just reported earnings, and that's DocuSign. This is one that we've talked about on the show before, and I think this is probably a winner in the recent IPO space, Brian. Yeah, I I completely with you there. For those that uh, need a refresher, DocuSign is the leader in e-signature market. So whenever you need to sign your name on any sort of document online, you use DocuSign, and they have uh, just done a fabulous job in their first uh, first year uh, as a as a public company. Uh, they have handedly outperformed expectations all all along the way. And in the most recent quarter, we saw revenue growth of uh, 34%. And this is a company that's already at a decent scale. So that's a that's an impressive number. And if you dig a little bit deeper, uh, subscription revenue growth, which is the bulk of how this company makes its money, that revenue growth rate was 37%. So subscription revenue growth is what we as investors should care more about, and that number it was higher than total uh, revenue growth. So that's very exciting to see. And the company is also making strides in international market. This is still, just like Pinterest, very much a domestic story. But now, 17% of this company's sales are coming from international markets. So again, lots of room for growth here. Yeah, and looking at this quarter, I saw a lot of other good, kind of less hard number uh, financial signs that things are moving in the right direction. We see them adding customers. They're now at just under 500,000, I think it's 477,000 customers. They've got some new partnerships with Salesforce.com. And everything that you see with this company when it comes to the employee satisfaction, the culture, is the stuff that you want in a company that you own. Yeah, totally. Um, this is a company that actually mentioned their Glassdoor ratings right up in the CEO uh, prepared marks on the earnings call. That is something that is very rare, and it just is so refreshing to see because we 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 as foolish investors love to see uh, companies that have a great corporate culture and take their uh, employees' reviews and happiness very seriously. And that is just so apparent uh, with DocuSign. And and to me, the big picture here is this: this company still has a tremendous amount of room for growth ahead of it. Uh, they mentioned on the call. 
overall, they still see their total addressable market at $25 billion. And for context, they expect to post revenue this year of about $913 million. So, Lots to like in this stock. Scratching the surface for sure. Uh, Jason Moser was actually the one who like really got me into this stock. Some combination of you and Jason Moser, Brian. I'm going to give you some credit there too. Um, and you know, I've been kind of nibbling at it over time. Added you know a couple weeks ago to my position, and I look at them, and you know, it doesn't matter who you work with in the financial space. You know, whether you're getting a mortgage or you're you know doing something with Vanguard or whatever. It seems like they have the partnerships locked down for all these essential institutions that are heavily reliant on document management, and yet they're still putting up pretty awesome growth, still bringing customers in. I think that's a sign that this company is here to stay, and one that is probably going to reward shareholders for quite some time. Yeah, I completely agree with you, and I, I think we're underselling the potential of this new Salesforce.com partnership being directly integrated into with with a company like Salesforce, as they have been with so many other companies. Makes the platform so much stickier, helps to get there, helps to bring their name out to so many more uh, other companies. So when you see partnerships, uh, when you see DocuSign signing partnerships with big name uh, platforms, that to me is a tremendous sign that this company can remain the top dog and leader in its industry for for a long time to come. So I think. There's a lot to be excited about with DocuSign. All right, Brian, we have one more company we're going to discuss. I would say DocuSign came home with an A, you know, on their report card. I would say that Upwork, another stock that I own, came home with a detention slip. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We have not seen very strong results from this business. And you and I were talking about before the show and just kind of wrapping our head around what's going on here because the tailwinds seem so strong for this company. The results haven't quite been there, though. Yeah. Uh, So, Upwork, for those that don't know uh, or need a refresher, this is the largest platform uh, that connects businesses with with freelancers. So, this is a company that we highlighted on our Millennials show a couple weeks ago as a great stock to play the eventual rise of the gig economy. Upwork should be a natural uh, winner here. And unfortunately, as you you kind of preluded, the numbers that we're seeing out of this company are just not what you would expect for a company that should be in hypergrowth mode. So, last quarter, uh, we saw revenue grew 16%. That was a deceleration from the previous quarter. Now, there were some encouraging signs. Gross margin uh, did expand to uh, 70%. And if you look at uh, client spending retention rate, which is a key metric for software as a service businesses like this should be viewed, uh, that did grow to 107%. And they are, of course, uh, they are still losing money, but their net loss is shrinking, and they are spending on their platform. Uh, But to me, this is a company that should be posting minimum revenue growth of 20%. So to see that number in this in the mid-teens when they're still losing money, that's that's not something that gets me excited. Yeah, and I want to double click into those results there for a second because it was great to see client spend retention, which is basically them saying, we had this customer base a year ago, we have them now. What are we getting from them in terms of dollar value compared to what we used to get from them? 107% means they're getting 107% more money, or 7% more money than they had from that same cohort of customers. So you're getting better growth there. That means that they're either getting more usage or rolling new functionality into those accounts and being able to upcharge them for that. But for growth to be dipping means that customer acquisition needs to be lagging, right? Yes, I think that that's 
completely right. And if you look at the, the valuation that this stock now has on it, I mean, this is a stock that is currently trading at about six and a half times sales, which is a very low number when compared to a lot of other uh, SaaS growth companies that are posting much faster notes. So this is a company that's been a disappointment since its uh, IPO. Its stock is actually currently at its all-time low since it came public. Um, so that pessimism is very much showing up in the, in the share price. Yeah, and you look at the full year, we're getting closer to the number that you'd like to be seeing for an early stage SaaS company like this, where they're going to be somewhere around 19%. Ideally, we'd like to see it a little bit higher because they're not profitable yet. It doesn't inspire the type of enthusiasm that you'd expect because, yes, this is this is the company. If you're talking about freelancers and connecting people across the world, it's not bound by geography. It seems like a no-brainer business for this tailwind. I hope that at some point, the numbers start to back that up. Yeah, I and this to me is a great example of why it can make sense to wait, take a wait and see approach to any new IPO. Because when we dug into the numbers uh, behind this company on our, our breakdown of it, uh, there was a lot to be excited about here. And the natural tailwinds that are behind this company should be propelling very fast growth. But when you become a public company, things change, the culture change, you suddenly have a number over your head. And we do see Pinterest struggle with that right out of the gate. So that is a great reason to, uh, even if you're very excited about a business right out of the gate, Buy in, buy your position out over time, space it out, or even take a. I'm going to wait a quarter or two to see how this company reacts. Upwork to me is like the poster child of why you should take that approach. <laughs> so last time that we talked about Upwork and DocuSign together, uh, I put it to you and I said, you know, which one of these two companies are you most excited about? Would most want to own? And you said DocuSign. And and I want to back it out now. We're talking about three companies here. We have Pinterest, DocuSign, and Upwork. You actually do own one of them. Um, but making the decision today, which one are you most excited about, Brian? Yeah, so I actually own Pinterest and DocuSign. And if I had to rank them, I would definitely say DocuSign is my favorite idea here. Uh, I'm still bullish on Pinterest, uh, and I and I am happy to remain a shareholder there. Uh, Upwork still has some uh, proving itself due uh, to me before it would enter my portfolio. So if I had to rank them, I would say number one, DocuSign, number two, Pinterest, number three, Upwork. Listeners, there you have it. Power rankings from Brian Feroldi. Good luck to your <laughs> Bruins in the Stanley Cup Finals. Good luck to our Bruins our in the Stanley Bruins. Cup Finals. <laughs> Sorry, Austin Morgan, <laughs> the eternal hopeless Caps fan. You had a good run last year, though. We did have a good run last year. It made this year's loss hurt a little bit less, but it still hurt. I mean, you can't win every year. In fact, you can't win most years. Boston can. This is the third <laughs> yeah. championship they're playing for in, what, nine months? Yeah, Boston's Crazy, a title right? town. Boston is a bona fide title can't town. can't wait till Boston sports go on a... Uh, championship slump. It's going to happen eventually. I will say I was spoiled when I was there as a college student because it was while the Pats were good, I think the Celtics won a championship, and I think the Bruins won a championship. All, all within the five-year period it's that, crazy. that I was at, in Boston. Yeah, and the entire time I've been born and alive in D.C., I've seen one. Yeah. Yeah, it could be worse. There are a lot of other sports cities that have been starved far more than Washington D.C. Um, well, enjoy watching the the games, Brian. I, I wish you luck, and you know I'll be rooting for you a little bit. I'm so glad to hear that, Dylan. <laughs> Listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or you want to reach out and say hey, you can shoot us an email over at industryfocus@pool.com, or you can tweet us at mfindustryfocus. If you want more of our stuff, subscribe on iTunes, or you can catch the videos from this podcast over on YouTube. 
As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for all his work behind the glass. For Brian Feroldi, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! Fool on!